it is an honor to get to be speaking today to you. Um, if you if you've not been with us for the past couple of weeks, um, a few weeks ago we finished up a series of how to pray, and it was an amazing series as we kind of walked through the steps of prayer. And uh, then last week we started a somewhat unofficial series talking about unanswered prayer. Because I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I think about praying, I think about, um, you know, the things I've prayed for in the past, you know, answered prayer is pretty easy to deal with. Unanswered prayer is one that's tough. And we felt that, you know what, we need to spend a couple weeks talking about unanswered prayer. Um, So before we, we jump in, I would just like to pray and then we'll get started. Father God, I pray that these words be from you, not from me. I pray that you get the glory, not me. In your name, Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so last week we jumped in um, with, with when God, uh, excuse me, when it seems like God is silent. And um, we, we, we talked about that. We talked about what it, what it feels like and what's going on. And this week we are going to be taking a look at how do we walk through struggle, is, you know, is our God a God of the valleys, a God of the bad times as well as the good? So that's where we're going to be leaning into today. That's what we're going to be talking about. Now, I have a question. Have you ever um, been in a situation where you said something, um, but you, you, you forgot where you actually were? Now, what I mean by that is this. Like, you ever said in a situation where you make a statement that once you think about where you're at, it's like, well, duh. Right, for example, you, you maybe you walk in and you're like, man, what, what is that smell? This smells awful. And then you remember, oh, I'm in a boys' locker room. This makes it, why, why would I question? I, are you, I should be freaking out if I walked in and smelled good. You're like, do they exist? Are they here? Right? Maybe, maybe for you, another one would be like, man, why does this person keep following me around the gym and yells at me and yells at me? Oh, it's because I paid a personal trainer. That's what... That, that makes sense. When I think about where I am and what's going on, okay, maybe for you, you may be asking, man, why, am I, why do I keep getting stopped by security at every terminal, um, at every place I'm at? And then you go, oh, it's because I'm in an airport with two luggages full of rocks. This happened to me. Uh, we did a mission trip to Mexico in which we were doing a, a retreat for kids, and one of our activities was painting river rocks. And so we had to bring them with us. So I had two full suitcases that were way over the weight limit, and uh, security was just not cool about it. Um, actually, I appreciate their, their, uh, their efforts, but I had to explain several times, why do we have the rocks? Why, you, why is it just rocks? Do you have any other luggage? Um, you know, whenever, whenever we look at where we're at, it often can help us process what's happening Whenever we um, know where we are, it gives context. It gives context to what we're seeing and feeling and going through. And so today, we're going to be kind of jumping into that. And you may be asking, okay, Jack, so where are we? Some of you may be like, I know, RHMC. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, by the way. Um, and I'm glad you're here online, too. Um, but, but it's more than that. We actually, we are all in a fallen and broken world. We are. We live in a a broken world that is full of sin. Now, and and you may or may not know the story of how to, but 
but God made the world with natural laws, right? God, God kind of set it up, you know, that he's, he's, he established order instead of chaos. I can every day get up and consistently boil water at the same temperature. You know, it's something that works. Our earth is on an axis tilt in just the right amount of way that we don't, like, burn and die. Um, we, we, we sit and we look at, like, gravity literally keeps us all grounded, okay? It, we live in a world that God created with rules and, and set up space. And those rules don't, ex, ex, don't just exist. Yeah, Whew. start over. Those rules don't just exist in the physical, but they also extend to the spiritual. We have a God who also has rules about holiness and about being holy. And, and in the beginning, and when God put all, when he put Adam and Eve into this situation that he created, it was good. There was no death. There was no sorrow, no shame. And then sin entered in. If you don't know the story, it's at the beginning of your Bible in Genesis. We're not going to go through it. But Adam and Eve sinned. And that broke the relationship with God. And in the breaking of that relationship entered death. Pain came in as a result. And the relationship was broken. This is where we live in a fallen world. Okay, so where are we? We're in a broken world. I know, it's like super serious so far, right? Yeah, this is really enjoyable, Jack. No, we're going to get there. But... So here's a question that is often asked when bad things happen, when you're going through struggle, right? So why doesn't God just remove it? Why doesn't God just fix it? I mean, come on. God, just remove the brokenness. Just take away everything that's unholy. Take it out. The issue with that is that if we did that, if God did that, it would eliminate us. It would eliminate us because none of us of our own merit, of our own work, are good enough to be holy enough for God, okay? He would have to get rid of his creation, his special creations created in his image, which is us. God establishes these rules. God establishes these, these parameters for how things work. Now, does that mean that God doesn't ever intervene? No, we have miracles all the time. Miracles that take place. We're praying for a miracle for Brian. We are praying. We just spent a whole series talking about how we need to pray to God about miracles. But here's the truth is that God doesn't always intervene. Right? God doesn't always cure the sickness. God doesn't always, you know, take away the debt or the pain or the, like, God doesn't, it doesn't always set up like that. Now, Here's, here's the point that I want to first make is this, okay? So he set up this system. It worked in this way, and God's not going to go back on what he did. You know, he did a perfect holy system. So what does he do to correct the problem? He sends the only one who can do really anything about it. He sends himself. Right? He sends Jesus, you know, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. He sends Jesus to us. So that it wouldn't just be a broken world, but it would be a broken world with hope. A broken world with hope. Why do we have hope? Why do we have hope? We have hope because we serve a God. We serve a God 
who came to be with us in our We serve a God that did not just sit on the sidelines, oh, you you screwed up, your fault, man, thinks to be you. No, 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 no. He put on flesh and blood, and he came to us. Right and and and, and one of my one of our favorite verses one of the verses you probably know Psalms um, Psalms twenty three we're not going to read the whole thing but there's a part of it that stands out to me and it's this it's Psalms twenty three four it says even when I walk through the darkest valley I will not be afraid why why won't we be afraid for you are close beside me your rod and your staff protect me make me God is right here with us. God is right here through his Holy Spirit, is right here with us always. And God's not only with us, which is awesome and amazing. And when I think about it, it makes me feel good. It makes makes me happy. It helps me to carry on. It's not only that he's with us, but he also knows how we feel because of Jesus. This is the thing that stands out in world religions. You know, a lot of world religions talk about how you're supposed to be good and how you're supposed to do right and how you're supposed to, you know, work your way up to to God or to a better existence. But no, we serve a God who said, you can't do it, but I will come and do it for you. I'll send myself to live out a life for you, with you, in and amongst you. I will know how you feel. In uh, Hebrews 4.15, it says this. It says, this high priest of ours, this is talking about Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. We serve a God who not only loves us, but he also is with us, and he also knows our pain. Now, sometimes it's hard to really kind of gather around and think, man, did Jesus really know my pain? Yeah, Jesus went through sorrow. Jesus went through dark times. In fact, in Isaiah, he's referred to as a man of sorrow. And that's not like Jesus went around going, oh, I'm so sad. That's not what it's saying. He was someone who's going to endure great sorrow. But he would for us. So where are we? We are in a broken world, but a broken world with hope. Now, I wanted to establish where we are. So that we can talk about what we need to do. We are in a broken world that has hope. But whenever we're walking through valleys, it is tough. Amen? It is tough. Right now, we have been through a year. A year that seems like it'll never end. It's the longest decade year I've ever been a part of. Right? And we go, and, and I don't know about you, but for me, and I know for a lot of our church family, it seems like the year has been tough. But as of late, we've been having a lot of stuff hit home. We've been having a lot of stuff happen in the past several months, not just this year. We've had a lot of stuff to hit home. And what do we do when we walk through valleys? What do we do whenever we pray for something to be taken away or something to go away, for something to be fixed, and it doesn't get fixed immediately? What do we do? How do we pursue on? When we're not airlifted out of the valley, how do we walk through the valley? And we're going to look at what Jesus did to see how we should walk through the valley, okay? Now, why Jesus? Remember, Jesus knows our struggle. He's fully God, fully man. He went through it, and he did it without sinning. 
so we're going to take a look at the, a time of greatest struggle for Jesus. You know, and he has, he has, just to give you some context on where we're picking up, Jesus has just finished the Last Supper, okay? He's just finished that. He knows what's coming, and um, so Judas has already gotten up and left to go get people to betray him, and that's where we're at. Jesus decides he's going to take a walk. We're looking at Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 37. We're going to read all the way through it, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? So if you'll look at the screens with me, starting at verse 32. It says, they went to the olive grove, grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took, um, excuse me, he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and stressed. In other parts of the Bible, it talks about he became so stressed that sweat poured like drops of blood. Verse 34, he told them, he said, my soul Crushed with grief to the point of death. Been there? Jesus said, Stay here and keep watch over me. Verse 35, he went on a little bit farther and he fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done. Not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples. Before we go on to the application, I just want to live in a moment right there. Jesus knows suffering. Jesus knows struggle. Jesus literally said, God, could you airlift me out of this situation? Is there any other way? We've been there, right? We've been there in moments where we're just like, God, I need a miracle. God, you need to fix it. God, you know, you need to take care of it. And yet Jesus closes with, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I think of, I think of, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I think about them in front of the king, and they say, King, we know that God can take care of us. He can save us, that God is fully able, but if he does not, we will not bow to you. We will only serve our one true God. This is a moment like that for Jesus. Now, for me, whenever I look at that, it's like it reminds me that, yeah, you know what? Even Jesus went through this. There's four coping mechanisms, four co- uh, keys to coping uh, with the valley, with you know, desperate times, with trials, with trouble that you're walking through. And it's from Jesus right here, and it's four things. It's people, place, excuse me, place, people, prayers, and purpose. So we'll just kind of walk through it a little bit. First off, place. When we're going through times of struggle, we need to find a safe place to go. And be with God. That safe place for Jesus was going to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is, is an olive grove. Okay, he went into he went out into uh, an area where they pick olives. So he went out to a space that he had probably most likely been before to pray to spend time with God. We need to, in times of trouble, find a safe place. That safe place for you might be your back porch. 
That safe place for you might be at a family member's house. That safe place for you might be here. In fact, we have several people that whenever they're struggling, they'll just come during the week and they'll come and kneel at the altar in our sanctuary and just have a moment in a safe place. God, Jesus, thought out a safe place. Second thought was this. The teacher. Jesus didn't go into the garden alone. He grabbed his three closest friends to go with him. When we hit the valley, we're not meant to take the valley alone. We're not meant to travel through the pain, the sorrow, the trial alone. We need to be bringing people in with us. It's one of the things I I love about this prayer chain for Brian, is that he is not alone. His family is not alone right now. We're, We're all coming in beside him and praying. We're all joining in. This is one of the reasons why we stress community, that we want you to be more than just involved in this service. We want you to be involved in groups outside of this service with that ability to bring friendships in with your relationship with God so we can walk through valleys together. And I want to be clear, this doesn't mean that you bring everybody in on your sorrow trip. Everybody don't need to be going through the valley with you. And and I say this because in the social media world, it's like this isn't the Facebook thing where you put it out and be like, hey, you know, it's good to have prayer. But this isn't something that, this is something, okay, I need one, two, three. I need a small group of people that can bring with me, that can lift me up, that can be there to support me. Right? That's what Jesus did. And he didn't just bring people, he actually Ask them to pray. Our next word is prayer. We need, when we're hitting trials, we need to be praying. And the prayer just isn't just, God, move it. God, you know, give me peace. That prayer is real talk with God. How often do we have real talk with God? Not that, you know, I think a lot of times we feel, maybe we, we feel like there's certain prayers we need to pray, like, dear Lord, help us be better. And and we, we we like put in these prayers like, oh well, I can't I can't be real with God. No. If you look through the scripture, there's all kinds of real talk with God. God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand. God, I am so mad right now. God, I I am so sad right now. I don't feel like you're here. God, I I, I don't even know what to do. Are you there? God wants you to be honest, because first off, God already knows. God knows how you feel. And you may be saying, well, if God knows how I feel, then why do I need to bring it? Because you need to let God know how you feel. You've got to have that honest communication with God. Jesus, in this moment, if we read on further, when he comes back and he finds him asleep, and he's like, you couldn't even stay awake? He was honest. He went back, he went back several times to pray. And talk with, he was honest talk. Jesus didn't want to go through, if there's any other But then he landed at our fourth part, purpose. He landed at the fact that Jesus ultimately moves toward his plan because he knows that his purpose is to go to the cross. His purpose is to suffer and to die and be raised from the dead so that we can have life. Purpose and pain is tough. Because I know for me, like when there's pain, I sit there and go, I know, I feel like I should be like, well, God has a purpose. But 
that's not what it's saying here. It's not saying fake it till you make it. That's not what it is. It's not what, what we're, we're, we're walking through the valley. We need to know that, okay, God has a greater prize than the price of coming to the cross. God has something that he wants for you to grow through. God didn't cause it, but God will use it. God, it wasn't like, it wasn't like sit there and God's like, oh man, you, you lose your job. Yeah. It's like your job is lost, and God goes, I can use that. Death in the family, God's like, I can use that. World plan, you know, global pandemic. We have a God who redeems. We have a God who redeems faith that seems broken and awful and will never be redeemed. It's, it's this idea that we need to find purpose in the pain when you can. And you need to find purpose in spite of the pain when you can. Romans 5, 3 through 5, reminds us of what valleys can produce. This is Paul speaking to the church in Rome. He says, we can rejoice too. Don't lie, sometimes I don't like to say that. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength and character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I kind of think of it like this. I don't know how many of you are familiar with glow sticks. Um, but how a glow stick works. It has two different chemicals. And it has a little glass vial in the middle. And the only way that this will actually shine is for it to be broken. The only way for it to shine, the only way for it to give life, to delight, to give its purpose, is for it to be broken. Now, Lord, let this old glow stick All right. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. And so what I think of when I think of the valleys, and I think of... <laughs> going through trials and stuff like that, that there's God has something for you in it. Your brokenness is not going to be in vain. God has something for your brokenness. God wants to shine through your brokenness. He He knows He knows that the brokenness itself can be turned into something that shines for that's hard. It's as quick as that. It often takes a while. It often takes a lot of time in prayer with God. It often takes us working with God. And so my prayer for us is that when we hit the trials, if you haven't yet, you will. Most of us in here have already hit, probably more than we care for. That when we hit them, this is how we go through them. 
And we find that place. We bring our people in. We pray. We know that God is going to do something. God is going to do something. Today, today we're going to be, um, you can go ahead and bring the lights back up. Today, we're going to be celebrating communion. And, um, and whenever I think about communion, like to me, this set of verses from Mark just puts communion in such, such a, a different light. That that meal that Jesus was having, whenever he said, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood poured out for you, he's staring at his purpose, he's staring at the trial and the valley he's about to walk through, and he did it anyway, and he wants us to know he did it for us. And so today, as we take communion, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, I want you to think about the price that Jesus went through to give us his Give us his life. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that he did it on purpose, with a purpose for us. You have a purpose right now in your day that God wants to use. So if you'll join me, we're going to do a prayer of confession, and then we'll take communion. And everyone, say with me, merciful God, We confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ. Bread, he says, this is my body, broken for you. And then Jesus took the cup, juice, wine, said, take it. Pray with me. Father God, as we get ready to continue singing, as we get ready to continue worshiping, God, I pray, I pray right now for those who are going through suffering. A lot of times we put on a good face at church. A lot of times we put on a good face to be around, but God, I pray right now that we be real God, I pray that we lift our concerns where we're at, our real thoughts up to you. God, I pray that that we know that you have a purpose in the pain. That you have a purpose in the struggle that we have. And God, while we don't know how long the valley will be, that you are there with us. That you walk with us. You know our hurt. You live there. You know our struggles. You are there. Give us strength. We want to. In the name of Jesus.